Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm excited. It's going to be a great day if you're brand new to Oceans Church. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, I want to give a shout out. It was cool uh, last night. One of the guys that goes to our church when he's in town, uh, he's a country uh, western singer. Uh, Connor Smith gave a shout out to Oceans Church. And so if you're here and you were at the concert, he was like, I'm going to be at 9 a.m. He was here last service. And so if you found our church through Connor, God bless you. We're excited you're here today. If you're looking for a church that's alive, come on, you're here today. We're all fired up. We're highly caffeinated, full of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Powerful duo right there. But we, we just came off an ama- amazing weekend. We, uh, if you missed out on our free dive, it was life-changing. Did anybody go to free dive this weekend? The idea of our free dives, we'll do them once a year at least for our, our church. It was our first one we've ever done for our, our adult church. Uh, usually it's just for college students. And uh, if you want to get freer and go deeper, free dive. Pretty clever advertising, right? Get free, go deep. Free dive. And so it was really special, but uh, excited to be here with you today. If you're brand new to Oceans, my name's Mark. My wife's Rochelle. This is Oceans Church. You're here. I'm here. It's hot. Let's go. Everybody fired up? If you're brand new to our church, I'm going to read a little bit more than I normally do. We're in a series called As Far As You Can See. I believe that when it comes to walking with God, as we walk with him, what we see is what we can have and what we can do in life. I believe that, you know, it's really clear in the Bible in Proverbs 29, it says, without vision, men and women perish. Now, I know it's hot in here today. I know that your human inclination when it gets warm is you kind of shut down, you go into survival mode. I felt like just walking from the car into the church in Dallas, I was just trying to live. Thought I was going to die. But I want to encourage you, I know we have to lean in a little bit extra today. Because I do believe that God wants to do something powerful. But if the crowd doesn't have a hunger, then God doesn't show up in a powerful way. So can we all lean in a little bit right now? Is that all right? I know it's hot. Let's lean in a little bit together. I don't want to have a dry service after having such a good one last service. So Acts chapter 9, if you're there, say I'm there. Turn there with me. I want to read a familiar passage. I've uh, taught on this chapter many times over the years. But I want to bring something new and a different angle today to your perspective. If you're brand new... I believe that God speaks through the Bible. Has anybody in here ever heard a message out of the Bible that changed your life? Would you raise your hand just to kind of confirm that this is worth your time? So uh, today, if you're new, I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to read 18 verses, a little bit more than usual. And I have a message for you that God gave me uh, even last night. I was late last night. I got to sleep about four something in the morning. And God just kept me up talking about you. So I want, if I feel a little bit fiery today, it's because I felt how much God loves you. And uh, one of the hardest things for me in life is to hear God so clearly for you and feel like I don't have a good enough vocabulary and a great enough gift to communicate it accurately to a people. It's almost like I'm interpreting someone that has a language that's superior than our English. And so I'm going to do my best today to try to share this with you. Is that all right? But if you have your Bible today, I want to talk to you on the subject matter of vision. Is that okay? This series really uh, came out of an idea that God gave us as a church that God will give us what we can see. You know, many times in life we're limited to what we do because we can't see beyond where we are. I'm going to tell you this a little bit, but one of the greatest enemies of vision is your sight. 
Do you know why most people don't do great things for God? Because they live solely by what they see. It's amazing that even financially in recessions, people can do great. If they don't live just by their soul logic, they live beyond what they see around them. And they see the opportunities in spite of the difficulties. Same thing's true in the kingdom of God. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. Amen? And so today, if you're brand new, I'm going to read again out of Acts chapter 9. I want to talk to you, if you're taking notes today, write this title down, A Picture of Tomorrow. A Picture of Tomorrow. A Picture of Tomorrow. If you have your Bible, say I'm there. Who believes that vision is powerful? Has anybody in this room, uh, in the tents, ever had a vision early on in life? Maybe you're in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s now. And you would say it's crazy that God showed you things early on that were so crystal clear accurate that they become true in your life. So if you could raise your hand just so some of the younger people know, there's a God that actually gives vision. So today, I believe that God is going to give vision to people in this tent. Some of you, you need a vision. I believe one of the reasons why suicide is so high in this generation is because without vision, people perish. We have no reason to live if we don't see what's coming tomorrow. So today, I felt this deep conviction that God wants to give his sons and his daughters a clear picture of tomorrow. Y'all ready to go? So Acts chapter 9, if you're there, say I'm there. It says this, verse 9. Then Saul, we're talking about a, a terrorist by the name of Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest. He asked for letters from the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found anybody who was Christian of the way, whether they were men or whether they were women, pause there. Do you know how many Jews there were in Damascus? There was over uh, uh, 40,000 Jews in Damascus. Many of these people believed in Jesus Christ. And so as he journeyed there, he came near to the city, and suddenly a great light shined around him from heaven. Then he fell onto the ground, and he heard a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I believe this is so powerful today. When you have a real encounter with God, notice what he says. Who are you, Lord? He's like, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let me pause there. I believe that when you have a genuine encounter with God, it's not something that makes you just feel good. It makes you want to do something for God. What do you want me to, say with me, do? I believe many times we go to church, we feel good, but we never leave with a motivation to do something for God. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saved by what we do, but we were made by God to do something for him. So he has this God encounter and he says, God, what do you want me to do? And it says that God speaks to him. He says, I want you to get up. I want you to go into the city. And it's in that city that you'll be told what you got to do. The men that were with him stood speechless. They heard a voice, but they saw no one. And, and, And when his eyes were opened, Dr. Luke that wrote the book of Acts says, his eyes were finally opened and he saw nothing. God waited until he was blind physically to start seeing. Irony, this passage is pretty powerful. As he goes, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. How do you know if you're spiritually blind? I believe it's really easy. When you're blind, he was blind how many days? Three days. Watch what it says here. For three days, he was blind. He neither ate or drank any food. How do you know if you're blind? You know you're blind because when you can't see, you rely solely on, um, on what you feel. 
And the easiest indicator to know if you are spiritually blind is if your life is governed by just your feelings. Some of you, I feel like being a pervert, then you, you give in to your spiritually blind. I feel like being, I, I feel like being angry, you're, you're spiritually blind. When one of the gifts that God gives us is we don't live by feelings. God gives us the ability to live not by what we see, but what by what we see when our eyes are closed. It's crazy that he didn't, he, listen, it was not one day, it wasn't two days, it was. Now, I don't know, if, who's ever done a, anybody just, don't, don't raise your hand, don't, we're too holy for this. Who's ever done a three-day fast? We're not supposed to talk about fasting. But if you've done a three-day fast, you know how long that is. Three-day fasts are the equivalent of 27 years. You start seeing food everywhere you look. You ever been fasting and it's like you walk down a, a road and you can smell someone barbecuing from seven miles away. You start seeing barbecue ribs in the clouds. You start seeing chicken jumps, drumsticks in the, in the bushes. You're just starving. It's like it's been 30 minutes since I started this fast. Fasting just has a way of causing time to stand still. And what's really interesting, ladies and gentlemen, is that, listen, he wasn't blind for one day. He wasn't blind for two days. I think that the reason why Paul, according to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, says, I have all revelation. I understand all knowledge. I have the faith to move all mountains. This guy knew more than most people knew, and I think he had such a deep conviction because he knew how powerful God was. He took his vision for three days. He didn't see for three days. Live by his feelings for three days. And when you're spiritually blind, you are led by the crowd. You know who got into the city? It was the crowd. Some of you today, you're led by the crowd. If the crowd is loud enough on social media, you go along with them. If they're loud enough on the news, you go along with them. I'm telling you today, there is an hour in God's church that his people will see. And when we see, even if the crowd doesn't like it, we're going to follow Jesus anyways. Come on, if you're in a clap, give him a good hand clap this morning. I feel like, come on, we're going to break through this heat barrier. Feel some glory coming into this tent. He was led by the hand and he got into the city and it says that he was told what he must do. He got there for three days, didn't eat, didn't drink, didn't see anything. And I believe this, that the greatest, the greatest barrier between God vision is your physical sight. Today, I believe that some of us, if you'll let God, he'll allow you to get out of the dimension of what you see physically. Because I want to tell you today that God visions are what you see when your eyes are closed. God visions are what you see, not what's happening right now, but what could happen tomorrow. Many times people don't do anything in life because they are never led and governed by a vision of, from God of what tomorrow could become. And I feel something coming in here today. It's going to change your marriage. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your children. It can change your business. There is something that happens when God gives us vision. One of the greatest natural resources of humanity is when God deposits vision into his kids. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm preaching around. I'm going to read the Bible, dude. So there's a certain disciple. Certain. Say it with me. Certain. God relies on each one of us individually. Now, I, 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 I really like Ananias. This is not the guy that lied to the Holy Spirit and got, you know, got shot by the Holy Spirit. That's not this Ananias. Different one. I don't know how many there was in the ancient world, but we know this, that Ananias was a certain disciple. 
Notice he wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't an evangelist. He didn't have a pastor in front of his name. He wasn't a leader of a mega church. He didn't have some world famous ministry. He was an ordinary disciple. And I love this guy because God taps him on the shoulder. And he says, Ananias. He's like, here I am. He said, I want you to get up. I want you to go to the street called Straight. There's a certain guy there named Saul of Tarsus. He's praying. And in a vision, in a what? In a what? I believe that this is a chapter about visions and sight. He says, in a vision, there has been a man. Uh, he saw a man named Ananias, tap on the shoulder, you, coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Ladies and gentlemen, if an ordinary disciple did not listen to God, we would not have the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is a byproduct of an ordinary Christian's obedience. He showed him his name, Ananias. He saw you. How far would God have had to reach if Ananias would have disobeyed? And I believe that some of you have a specific assignment that is so hand-tailored to your destiny that if you don't pick up the commandment to do it, it might take generations for someone else to pick it up. We will not sleep on God's visions. Amen. So it says that he went. He walked into the room. It says, you know, it tells, I'm going to show him how many things he's got to suffer for my name's sake. Ananias went in, entered the house, laid his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, which is a big statement when you're talking to a Christian terrorist. Ananias probably had buddies that were killed by Saul's leadership. And to love someone that you should hate is a byproduct of God's spirit. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has come to me and sent me to receive your sight. What's going to happen after you receive your sight? Oh, and by the way, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, the Spirit follows when people start to see. Some of you are going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit today. And the origins of it is God starts giving you spiritual sight. You know why? Because you don't even want the Holy Spirit until you start seeing clearly. It says that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Something like scales, it says, immediately fell off of his face. He arose, he was baptized, he ate some, come on, uh, Chick-fil-A, some In-N-Out burger, Christian chicken, and Christian burgers. Can I get an amen? That's not in there, I'm just saying. And it says immediately he got up and he began to preach. I believe that everything changed for Saul when he couldn't see for three days. I actually believe the revelations and visions of the future probably originated for three days of seeing nothing. Sometimes it's not until we close our eyes with God that we start to see what could be in the future. Today, I want to talk to you about vision. Say it with me. A picture? Come on. I know it's hot in here. Come on. Say it with me. Let's break through the barrier today. Say a picture of tomorrow. Let's pray. Let's all lean in together. Lord, we believe that miracles are going to happen. I believe that someone that's physically blind may be going blind in here. A doctor has told you that you will go blind at some point. I hear the Lord saying that that's what the doctor said, but that's not what I say. I say you came to church to see. And I pray that miracles of that magnitude, God, would happen all over this tent. From pancreases that don't work, to gallbladders, Lord, that are, that are messed up, to digestive tr tracts that have been uh, out of order for 30 years, I pray that you would do miracles that doctors would document, and that we would be able to tell, and that, God, you would get glory from. Fill these tents on a hot Sunday in August. In Jesus' name, Spirit of God, have your way. God, help the Lakers, help the Clippers, the Angels, the Padres, and the Dodgers. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, yeah. bless the Ducks. We had some hockey fans say, you never pray for hockey. I'm like, well, I should probably start caring about it first, and then I'll get there. <laughs> Kidding, it's coming, it's coming. By faith, by faith.
thinking about, uh, about uh, you know, I'm 38. I, I talk a lot about my age a lot because that's, that's my age. And uh, that's kind of my reference point for, for life. But uh, it's crazy. I was thinking about when I was in high school in the early 2000s. Started high school in 1998. Some of you are like, you are so young. And there's other people like, you are so old. And it's funny how much things have changed. We used to have this thing uh, on paper called pictures. Does anybody remember pictures? Back in the day when you had a girlfriend, in your wallet there was like four pictures. When you wanted to show someone your family, you pulled out a wallet that was about as thick as a brick. So many chiropractors were in business by the thickness of that wallet. And you pull this wallet out. It had like 16 pictures in there. And the pictures were uh, taken only, but back in the day, you only took about three or four pictures a year. Young generation, like, for real, I take three or four pictures in a minute. No, when I was growing up, most of us, unless you were an actor or a model, we didn't have headshots. Back in the day, profile pictures were called headshots. And you would get a headshot if you were a model or an actor. I remember I was a kid. I started going to these auditions when I was a kid to do some acting. And uh, my mom was like, we got to get you some headshots. Now we call them a profile picture. Everybody's got a profile picture. But I was growing up as a different era. I, didn't, I, got, I got pictures three times a year. I got pictures when my family would do the Christmas card. Family picture. That was probably the most legit picture you would take every year. Because everybody was ready for it. And then you'd have the anomaly wedding picture. Like cousin got married, uncle got married, you're in someone's wedding, friend's wedding, you're like the little ring boy or the flower girl. You have a picture documenting that era of your life from a wedding. Or the infamous, often sneaky, class picture every year. That thing was sneaky, man. Elementary school, I was never ready for it. How do you know? Because I look back at my pictures. I'm like, mom was not reading the bulletins. We didn't have emails back then. We would go home with papers and mom wouldn't read them. I knew she didn't read them because I walked in there looking like Raggedy Ann. Came off the streets, looked like I was homeless, just survived a missions trip in the southern Sudan. Walking in, my hair wasn't done. Looked like I just got out of Chuck E. Cheese for three days. Spaghetti on my shirt. I'm like, what are you doing, mom? That's child abuse. That is the only picture I have from when I was eight years old. And I look like, like, like <laughs> should have done a better job. It's crazy that we have so many, uh, today, so many pictures. Like, I have more pictures of my kids than, my, than I, my parents looked at me. I got so many pictures. You know what a picture is? A picture captures a moment in time from the past. So I want to catch this. I want you to get a very simple thought today. A picture captures a you or a moment from some time that's already been. And the difference between a picture and a vision is a picture captures something that has happened. A vision captures something that will happen. Pictures are yesterday. Visions are tomorrow. Are you hearing me today? And most of you that are discouraged, some of you that are out of gas, some of you that are emotionally drained, emotionally bankrupt, you have full checking accounts, but you have empty lives. It's because you have means, but you don't have vision. Vision is what gets us out of bed. Vision is what invigorates our life. 
Vision is what gets us excited to co-create with God. And I believe some of you today, you have everything you've ever wanted in life, but you are hollow on the inside. Because you have a, you have reached a pinnacle of what you desire to go after. You've reached your dreams, but you haven't touched God's visions. And there is a difference between human dreams and God visions. There's a difference. Some of you, that's why you could be in Hollywood have millions of dollars, living in crazy luxury, married to models, and committing suicide. How do you live in blissful heaven and take your life? It's because you achieved your dreams, but you've never touched God's vision. God's vision will actually motivate you in a way to absorb life with fulfillment. And I believe the day that some of you have never had a vision from God, because vision always originates with a God encounter. Notice that Paul, Saul, excuse me, Saul, he thought that he was doing God a favor with this religious calisthenics. This guy knew the Bible better than any of us. He knew the Torah better than any of us. He was a religious zealot. He had the first five books of the Bibles memorized. Memorized. That's a, how do you memorize the Bible and miss God? How do you know the Hebrew language? How do you speak Greek, but you don't know God? And I would say it's possible, if it was possible then, to be developed and devoted to the Bible, and yet not go after a personal God encounter. I would argue that in 2022, that your church attendance makes you a mature Christian. About as likely as owning a vacuum cleaner makes you a clean person. Certainly, it can verify it, but in and of itself, it is not evidence by itself. Some of you grew up in church, but you have never had an encounter. Some of you have godly parents, but you've never had an encounter. Some of you have a head knowledge of God, but you've never had an encounter. Why do you know that? Because encounters change what you want to do. What did he do when he got off the ground? He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? If God has never changed your direction, you've never had an encounter. Encounters change our trajectory. Encounters change us from terrorizing Christians to advocating the message. It literally changed camps. Some people say, I'm saved. Saved from what? I go to church every week. You're just as broken as you were before you came to the church. You're just as dysfunctional as you were before you prayed the sinner's prayer. I believe we have a generation of preachers preaching watered-down messages, and people aren't getting saved from anything. Listen, Christianity isn't just about saving you from hell and eternity. It's about saving you from hell and earth. Still an alcoholic, still a drug addict, still sleeping around, still finding fulfillment in the club. What are you saved from? It's going to get quiet up in California for a second. I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm just saying, if he's real, let's go all in. Why would you waste your life going the wrong direction? First thing that happens that God encounters is it changes your direction. And you say this phrase. You go, God, you're real. All right, now I know you're real. Now that I know that I know that I know you're real. What do you want me to do? And the doing part of life, that's where vision starts to come into play. You know what vision is? Vision is a burden of what God wants you to do with your life. It's a burden. It's a burden. It's like Nehemiah's like, dude, my, I can't even enjoy the palace. 
I can't even enjoy being in the company of kings because my people are in a city that's broken down and the walls are decimated. How could I enjoy Orange County if people are living in spiritual bondage? I got a burden. Live by the beach, but I'm burdened. Got a great life, but I'm burdened. Where does vision originate? It originates with burdens. Some of you are going to innovate 501c3. Some of you are going to innovate different ministries and organizations. Some of you are going to weaponize your business to impact the earth because of a God burden. Visions often start snowball-wise with a God burden. He's like, you're real. What do you want me to do? He's like, I got a burden for you. Go into the city, I'll tell you. And he's there without sight for three days. And it's not until he's physically blind that he starts to spiritually see. I see. Okay, this is real. It's all real. I bet he cried for three days at all the damage he did to Christianity. It's all real. Stephen, he's he's dead because of me. It's all real. I wonder if he had such a fire to, to endure shipwrecks to endure getting stoned, to getting endure dragged out of cities. Twice they thought he was dead. This is crazy. This guy lived a radically crazy life. And I wonder if the fire that kept him going was wondering all the mistakes he had made prior to his eyes spiritually opening up. Blind for three days, crying his eyes out, God, what have I done? It's all real. I remember our very own Casey in our church. She, she wasn't raised like, like some of you were raised in the church. She, she came in uh, in her, in her mid-30s, came to our first conference two or three years ago, and had an encounter with God that she saw a vision of Jesus, saw a vision of heaven. This is a highly academic, this is a military trained, went to Air Force Academy, successful financial planner, amazing life, has lived her dreams and has a vision of Jesus and of heaven, falls to the ground, weeping under the power of God for about 35 minutes, gets up, almost drunk in the spirit of God, and says, it's all real. Where are the Christians that have had encounters that have shook you to the core and the fabric of who you are and says, this is all real? Why would you leverage your livelihood to build the kingdom? Because it's all real. Why would you leverage your reputation to build the kingdom of God? Because it's all real. Why would you serve in the church? Because it's all real. Why would you make church a priority? Because it's all real. Eternity's real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Jesus is real. The Spirit of God is real. It's all real. Sorry, I'm fired up, man. But I think some of you today, you know what you need? You don't need more entertainment. You don't need more money. You need to, you need to encounter with God. You need to raise your hands in about 25 minutes and say, God, I want to have an encounter. You got to want it for yourself. I can't get it for you. Some of you have grandpas and grandpas that had encounters. I had a grandma that raised me telling me stories about Azusa Street. My earliest memory as a child was in her living room when she told me about Azusa Street being mentored by Amy Simple McPherson, about hopping on a ship when she was 24 years old and single, sailing to China. In the 1940s, to start the first four-square churches in China, getting kicked out of China during World War II, going to Japan. She told me stories about raising her kids in rice paddies and doing laundry outside where there's snakes and, and preaching the gospel in Sunday school classes and raising money out of a city that didn't believe in God. 
she told me these stories when I was six. And I remember five and six years old, walking into the bathroom, walking out, there was a linen closet. And I remember for the first time in my life, I heard the voice of God when I was five or six years old. And I heard the Lord say, will you be a missionary too, Mark? And I was five or six. I was like, yeah, I'll be a missionary. Sounds like an adventure. And I forgot about it for 13 years. And when I was, uh, I don't know, do the math on this. I was, yeah, I was probably 18, 19 years old, 19 years old. I got saved when I was 18. At 19, I was at a conference in Portland, Oregon called Generation Unleashed. A crazy Australian preacher named Russell Evans from Planet Shakers, he was preaching. And I will never forget responding to the altar call. I couldn't tell you what he said. I couldn't tell you what Bible verses were referenced. But I know that at the altar, God brought me back to a memory from 13 years earlier that I forgot about. And he said again, Mark, will you be a missionary? And I was like, missionary? And I was like, wait, I did say that. And I, the goodness of God floored me, and I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere in the world for you. You know what I heard him say? I'm calling you to be a missionary to the hardest country on the earth. I'm going to cause you to reach the hardest people group in your generation. I'm calling you to America to wealthy people that don't think they need me. If you can reach people that don't think they need God, you can reach anybody. Yeah, I'd say four or five people know what I'm talking about up in here. If you can reach Orange County, you can reach anyone. Because we have everything that money and success can give you. We have everything that good looks can give you. We have everything that power. Are you hearing me today? And God says, I've, I've made you, I've given you this encounter to give you a burden for the hardest people group on the earth. People that already have everything. That have nothing spiritually. So what do you know, Mark, about vision? I know this, that it originates with God. I know that vision is what God made you for. There's a purpose that God saw in the earth that you're the solution to. There's a, there's a problem in the world that you're the solution to. So here's what we know. Write these down. I want you to write down. Sit with me. Burden. Today is encounter day. And after encounters, burdens begin to well up. And God will give you a burden that begins to bother you. We know that it takes time sometimes for the burden to mature. We know that God says in Habakkuk 2, verse 2 and 3, to write down the vision, to make it plain, to make it clear, so everybody that hears about it can run with it too. Let the burden shake others as well. And you get a burden, and you start getting so burdened by what God is showing you that like Nehemiah, you got to start rebuilding something. Like Moses. Moses had a, a burden one day in, in Exodus chapter 2. He saw a fellow uh, a fellow Jew being beaten by an Egyptian taskmaster. And he got so sick and tired of the injustice in his land, he took the law into his own hands, killed the guy, buried him in the sand. And God comes to him a chapter later and says, you know how you felt about one of your brothers being persecuted? I feel like that for all three million of you guys. And I felt that burden for 400 years. So I'm raising you up, man of God. Which leads us to this idea that when God gives you a burden, guess what happens next? Say with me, preparation. Some of you right now, you know what I'm talking about. You've had an encounter. Some of you, come on, Daniel, you've had an encounter. You have a burden. And right now, you are in this grooming season of preparation. I would remind you, here's an encouraging thought. The longer the preparation serious, uh, the longer the preparation season is, usually the greater the magnitude of impact. Kind of like an arrow. The further someone pulls you back, the farther you go. We know that Moses had a 40-year. Someone can come on the keys. I'm almost finished. Moses had a 40-year window of being prepared. When David got anointed, it was 15 years of running from a crazy king in a desert. 
before he sat on the throne. We know that even the Apostle Paul, after Acts chapter 9, spent three years in Arabian desert getting ready to be who God called him to be. Uh, Nehemiah spent four months rebuilding those walls. Listen, there is always a window of time after an encounter that God gives you a vision and he prepares you for the vision. God knows that you can't do anything greater than you become. Great thought right there. You can't do something greater in the kingdom of God than what you allow him to make you. And today, some of you are focused on doing something great. God says, look, you'll do something great if you let me make you something great. You're not a human doing. You're a human. Why don't you become what I'm asking you to become? You know what you're becoming right now? Your schedule. Your schedule is manufacturing who you're becoming. You want to be a great father? Is it in your schedule? You want to be a great business person? Is it in your schedule? You want to excel in your relationship with God? Is it in your schedule? You can tell me all day long, I'm committed to being a great follower of Jesus. Is it in your schedule? Because I'll tell you right now, every day of the week, preparation eats promise for lunch. We have a generation that promises to be great, but we don't prepare. And God is looking for a generation that says, I will schedule preparation time to be what you want me to be so I can do what you want me to do. We have a generation that shows up. I always use the story of going to the Lakers and saying, guys, I promise. I promise. Give me a jersey. I promise that tonight be the most credible player. You pass me the ball, making things happen. I promise. Promise. I swear. By the moon and the stars in the sky, I'll be there. That's all for one, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, I'm sorry. Come back, come back, come back. If I went to the Lakers and I said, guys, I promise I'm going to be good tonight. That promise means nothing. Because I haven't, truth be told, I haven't played basketball in like five years. Realized about five years ago that I could play basketball three days a week and still look like out of shape dad. So I'm like, I'm giving that time to the gym. So now I look like an out of shape guy that goes to the gym hurts that you laugh so much i uh i want to say um what are we talking about preparation god's preparing some of you right now daniel he's preparing you right now yeah david he's been preparing you bible says in ecclesiastes if the axe is dull it requires more effort Good old theologian Abraham Lincoln said, if I had to cut down a tree, I'd spend the first chunk of time sharpening my axe. Some of you, you know what you're in right now? You're in the sharpening season. Do you know you sharpen a blade? Friction. Some of you feel friction right now. Ah, this hurts. Man, that divorce hurts. Man, that separation. Man, my kid doing what he's doing. Man, my business partner stabbing me in the back. This hurts. And God is so good at using the friction of life to sharpen us. I'll be very honest with you. At seven years of age, when my parents divorced, and my it was an ugly, I don't think there's a good divorce, but there was, it, was, it was a particularly ugly divorce. Seeing my parents physically fight in front of a seven-year-old and dad on the porch with a weapon saying he's going to take mom out if she comes. I just things I shouldn't have saw when I was little. And if you would have told me that one day, Mark, because of the divorce, God would use it. You're going to go to like 20 different schools before sixth grade. 
And uh, because your mom's moving all over the place because she can't afford to live in a lot of places, we're getting kicked out of neighborhoods because we're bad kids. Um, because you relocate all the time, you know what you're going to get good at? You're going to get good at making friends. You're going to be really socially, you're going to be a Swiss army knife with your social skills. And all of the change made me a Swiss army knife. And then because of it, my dad, if it didn't happen, he wouldn't have moved to Idaho. And if he wouldn't have moved to Idaho, he wouldn't have got remarried to his second wife out of the three wives he would have and get divorced from. But it was the second wife that started going to this church in Idaho called Capital. And little did I know that through the divorce, my dad moving, getting remarried, that this second wife forcing him to leave a vineyard and go to Capital would actually constitute a camp that I would go to that I would get saved at. And through the divorce and through the move and through the camp and through the divorce, uh, second marriage and through this new church and through the campground, getting saved, I would marry the pastor's daughter. End up going back to this state, living in it for 17 years, learning how to kill bears and lions in Idaho before he let me kill giants in Orange County. It was painful. It was obnoxious. Oh, in just times, injustices I went through, saw things you shouldn't see, and I'm not endorsing uh, darkness in life. I'm just telling you how big God is. That the friction you feel, God can use. He uses it. He, he can literally weaponize every bullet the enemy shot at you. God will stop it like Neo. Put it in your gun and shoot it back at him. This is how God works. Ladies and gentlemen, if I didn't go through the hell I went through, I would not be good socially. I would not have a... I, I use comedy as a way to cope with pain. And I think I'm, I'm borderline funny today. Because I had to learn how to laugh in the hard things. And it was so cool that when God redeemed my story, He's like, you can keep the comedy. Now we can laugh about things that are awesome. I spent the first half of my life crying, a lot of pain, a lot of deserts. But I know this, that there has never been a great giant killer that didn't have a King Saul, that didn't have a desert of running, didn't have some sort of tough season of life. Ladies and gentlemen, God has a vision for you. He's given you a burden. He's given you a desert. And desert is not punishment, it's preparation. The desert that you're in right now is not punishment, it's preparation. Some of you are running from the very thing that will develop you. Trying to get away from the thing that's sharpening your gifts. Lean into God in these seasons. Everyone stand to your feet. I feel something in here today. And what happens when God gives you a burden? He prepares you. That The last thing that happens is He starts to make you a solution to the burden. We'll put this declaration on the stage. I love this. This is so powerful. Do you know that God made you because He wanted you? Do you know you were born? Say it with me. I was born to solve a problem. Say this. I am a response to a need that God created. I am an answer to a question that God knew would be answered in my generation. Isn't this good today? Come on, give God a hand clap right now. I am the fulfillment of one of God's this one's so good. Desires. Look at me, everybody today. Some of you are suicidal. You are the fulfillment of one of God's great desires.
He's like, I wouldn't enjoy eternity without making Bill, Sam, Jemima. Do you know all of you guys? All of you. You are the fulfillment of a God desire. Do you know that you're an assignment to your generation's need? Your generation needs to experience the problem that you're going to solve. And I want you to say this. I am necessary in the kingdom of God. Do you know that God has a seat for every one of you guys on his bus? This is for like 10 people. No, 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 no. This is for everyone. Everyone gets to, get, gets to play in God's kingdom. It's not a junior high basketball team that has 11 spots and 50 people trying out. God lets everyone that wants to play get on the bus. So what do we need? We need an encounter. We need an encounter with God. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm Jesus. And you know you meet Jesus because when you hear his voice, you go, what do I need to do? Some of you today, you need to go home and get rid of all the pornography. What do you need me to do? Get rid of the dark stuff. Someone today needs to go to your car after this, get all of the drugs out of your glove box and put them in one of these trash cans. What do you want me to, you want to get free? Get rid of it today. I feel something in here. Someone today, you need to get honest with your family about what you're struggling with. You never told someone you're a drug user. You need to tell them today. You won't get free from things you hide. You know that? You'll only be as free as you are honest. Truth and honesty travel together. You will know the what? What? Truth and honesty are the same, right? They're similar. They're, you can't be honest and not be truthful and truthful and not be honest. So you'll only be as free as you're honest. So you need an encounter. And when you have an encounter, man, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to be the answer to a problem. He's going to give you a burden. He's going to prepare you. Some of you, it'll be 12 months. Some of you today, you've been on the fence with Ocean's College. You need to sign up. Because where you're going, you need preparation. And I'm telling you, working at a $15 an hour job for another year of your life isn't preparing you for greatness. You need to give God. Come on, it's better to go without for a nine-month window to change the world feel something in here today. Say with me, encounter. Come on, say with me, encounter. Someone say with me, burden. Say with me, preparation. Lastly, say solution. God, like Ananias, wants to make you the answer to someone else's prayer. You know what Christianity is all about? It's about walking with God in such a way that He makes you the answer to somebody else's prayer. Ananias! Hey, you know Saul, he's been praying. And when he was praying, guess what I showed him? I showed him you. He saw you, Ananias. You're the answer to his prayer. When he, when he saw that when you touched him, you prayed for him, scales would heal his eyes. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and his life would never be the, the same. Guess what, Ananias? This burden, this encounter, this preparation, you've been praying for a while. Guess what? Good game time. You're going to go to a terrorist house. You're going to lay hands on him. God's going to do something so radical it changes the future. Say with me again. Come on, ready? Encounter, burden, preparation, solution. Who's ready to be a solution? Here's what we need. We need some encounters then. If you want to, come on. We all want to make a difference. We need an encounter. Man, I love the way that T.D. Jakes, I love the way he preaches. Then you got to prepare like him. I love the way this person innovates. Then you got to prepare like him. I want to be great like Paul, then you got to have a, you got to have an encounter like him. We mimic performance, not preparation. 
It's the problem with our generation. Let's get an encounter today. Eyes closed. I know it's hot. We're breaking through the heat. I feel it. Hands up all over. You want a God encounter. Come on, here's the day. Here's the day. Here's the day. I want a God encounter. I want a God encounter. Can I do this first? All of you seasoned believers, would you just put your hands down just for a minute? If you've had an encounter before, put your hands down. I feel like there's some of you that you've never felt God's presence. You've never felt God's presence. Uh, heard His voice inside of your heart speaking clearly. You almost wonder at times, can you really have a God, God encounter that shakes you to the core? I want everyone to close their eyes. If that's you, you say, Mark, I've never really had a genuine, authentic God encounter. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want to have one, though. I've never really had one. I don't care if you're 70, you're 17. Raise your hand real high. We're not ashamed. If, if, if your hand's not up, it's because you've already had one. So there's, most of us have already had this. So your hand's up right now. I want to have a God encounter. I want you to have one. Now, here's what I need. If you've been walking with God and you got some bullets in your gun right now of faith, I want you to find someone that has their hand up next to you. Guys with guys, girls with girls. Find somebody, some of our leaders right now. Find someone that has their hand up, and they are going to pray over you. And I want to release the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. They're going to pray over you right now. Some of you are going to feel like this person must know me because they know secrets in my heart that I never told anybody. I want to release you to pray for those that have never had a God encounter. Today is the day that we hear God's voice. Just two or three people at the most on somebody. I don't want 20 people around one person that freaks people out. We're not trying to scare anybody. Just I want you to pray right now. You ready? So go ahead and start praying this prayer right now in Jesus' name. I pray the top of their head soles of their feet you would rock them speak to them fill them with your holy spirit i pray for bruce that something would fall off of his eyes right now i pray for stephen that something would fall off his eyes right now cedric right now god is healing your body i pray right now for everyone that has their hands up for elizabeth i pray lord for mary i pray in jesus name you would touch her heal her god if she'll reveal it to you you'll heal it in her in Jesus' name. Go ahead, leaders, start praying over them right now. Praying over them right now. Praying over them right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, encounter time. Encounter time. Encounter time. Just a couple of you pray. Pray, pray, pray. Couple pray. Couple pray. Pray right now. Lord, just release. Come on, one person just take the lead. Come on, pray over them right now. Release. We release a moment right now that would shift their heart, touch their mind, leave no doubt in their soul that God is real. God is real. on 15 more seconds just declare it we're to sing right now he's going to encounter him we're sowing seeds in him right now of faith they're going to encounter him right now encounter him right now thank you jesus all right now everybody else that wants to have another encounter a fresh encounter i want you to lift your hands we're going to sing this song one time god's going to heal bodies there's someone that has a serious serious uh, serious problem like a like a foot fungus it's like some sort of weird uh, almost like an allergy or something to food God's healing your foot right now I pray Lord from feet to extremities arthritis I pray cancer be healed as we encounter God in Jesus name let's sing it one time we'll get you out of here in just a few minutes come on who's hungry for God let's go just one touch is all I really need. Just one touch, just one touch, just one touch is all I really need. Holy Ghost power, Holy Ghost love, Holy Ghost power, all the flow in us. Just one touch, just one touch. 
up in a shout of praise if you believe it today. Touch. One touch. One touch. One touch. One touch. God told me there's people that have physical issues with your eyesight. God's healing you right now. I speak to blind eyes and even eyes that are going blind. We say be healed in Jesus' name. Glaucoma, cataracts, whatever it is, degenerate eye disease. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands right now. I got faith in this atmosphere that God's healing eyes. Eye issue, eye issue. Hands up. Come on, if someone's hands up next to you, lay your hand on their shoulder right now. I need some faith in the room. Who's got a little bit of faith? This could change someone's future right now. If their, eye, if their hand is up, I need, I need everyone that has their hand up. If your hand's up, it's eye issue, eye issue, eye issue. We pray for the lady, blonde lady over here. I pray for the gentleman in the back. I pray all over these tents. If their eyes are failing, we pray you would heal. I pray that optometrists would be shocked. I pray they would report, God, the report of God that literally this is a miracle. That here is the old x-ray or whatever the scan is, and here is the new one. I pray that, God, you would heal. I pray that they would tell their story. I even ask that in three months' time, that, Lord, all these hands that are up would have documented proof that God healed their eyes. We would see it on our My Stories. One of you is going to do a My Story in three months. And literally, you're going to tell the story about how your eyesight was leaving, how it was gone, how it was blind or on its way, and God with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm healed you on August, I think today's the 7th, 8th, 7th. I pray you'd heal now right here. Say it with me. I believe that you are the healer. Holy Spirit, heal their eyes. Scales fall off. Eyes see again in Jesus name say it like this I bind blindness and I lose sight in your eyes in Jesus Christ's name eyes open up eyes see in Jesus name that's just words Mark what God creates with his words ladies and gentlemen and in faith we see God do the impossible now watch this there's faith in the atmosphere. I can feel it right now. If God can open up blind eyes, what can He do to a sick body? Lift your hands if you need healing in your body. Healing in your body. Someone's trying to get pregnant. God's healing your body. Someone just got diagnosed with testicular cancer. God's healing your body. Someone right now, you have some sort of bladder. Uh, you've, had, you've had three bladder infections in the last eight weeks. God is healing you right now. Urinary tract infection. God is healing you right now. On. If you need a healing in your body, lift your hands. I feel, I know, look, I'm not the smartest guy, but I know when God is moving. Hands up, hands up, hands up. They're stirring. There's a stirring. There's a stirring right now. If you need a touch in your body, lift your hands. I need Ocean's Church to lay hands on everyone that has a hand up. We pray from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Come on, Ocean's of the faith. Say in Jesus' name. Come on, say it all over the room. Jesus' name. We declare the blood of the Lamb healing everybody every mind breaking every addiction god inside outside in their mind in their soul in their spirit and in their body heal them now in jesus christ's name let their story inspire the world that jesus you're still the healer 
Last thing we do today, you put your hands down, stop praying for a second. Last thing we do, really quick. If you're here today and you're not living for God, you're not living with God. Last service, there was an atheist, I could fill him in the room, that had an ulcer issue. And I told him that God was going to heal his ulcer. And, and as he does that, he's going to have faith that God could actually save his soul. And uh, in this service, there's like four of you that you identify as an atheist. You're like, this has been entertaining, even amusing. This has been actually enjoyable in some ways. But right now, it's going to go from the, the sphere of entertainment to the sphere of reality. And uh, yeah, one of you, seeing some names right now, Thomas and Reagan. Yeah, I pray right now for both of you. I even pray, uh, there's a, uh, Elizabeth, there's a couple of you today, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, maybe it's your middle name, or maybe one of you, it's your mom's name, but I pray right now, dad's name, that God right now, these um, four that have never opened their hearts to you, I pray they'd open up their heart right now. Three of you are ready to go right away, one of you, you're fighting this internal battle, and uh, I want to pray for the three first, is that okay? Can everyone close their eyes, this is a very holy moment, I know when God's glory is thick. There's three people that you've never wanted to put your faith in God because you've seen the you've seen the destruction of the church, you've seen the hypocrisy of leaders, and you've always identified the goofiness of God with the goofiness of people. That's been your mistake. Humans are goofy without God. God is perfect. Here's what I want to say. God loves you and he's ready to have a relationship with you. A real encounter starts today. You're like Saul. You're like, I don't even like Christians. You're here today almost out of peer pressure. There's three of you, like Saul, you're going to become trophies of God's grace. He's going to heal you where you hurt. Two of you come from divorced homes. Like me, you had a lot of pain in your childhood. And God's not the source of your pain. He's the solution of your pain. And right now, I feel it. Just close your eyes. You're like, how do you know all this? Because I hear God's voice. That's weird. No, it's, it's not. It's normal. It's actually every Christian's birthright. My sheep know my. God wants to speak to you with his voice. So it starts though by inviting God in. So I'm going to ask the two to respond first. Third's going to follow. And then the fourth one that's kind of wrestling right now. You're, you're going to see that this is God. Because there's three of you that you've never put your faith in God before. You've never said, I'm, 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 or, or you did it a long time ago, but you say I'm an atheist now. But God says, I'm ready to come in if you'll open up. Eyes closed, please tight. I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise. I'm not going to have you come forward or any of that stuff. Maybe you experienced in the past. I just want you to raise your hand. Just, to, just so the room knows that there's a God in heaven that's moving. There's three of you that are going to go fast. And then there's a fourth. Are you ready? See, I'm an atheist, but I, I, I'm ready to open up my heart again to God. And let him in. That's you. Three and then four. Ready? Eyes closed. Heads bowed. One. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. That's it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come forward. Just raise your hand. Two. There's three of you. You start putting your hands up right now. Three. There's three of you. I was atheist, but I'm letting God in right now, right now, right now. Hands up real high. Thank you. Thank you. Real high. Real high. There's three. There's three. There's three. There's three. There's three. There's three. Here's the problem right now. I see one. Okay, one hand went up. Do this. I want everyone to close their eyes. I know everyone's always curious. I want to see. I want to see. I'll count them for you, okay? It's like, it's like, ah, it's like my identity. There's three. One hand went up. Would you just pop your hand up real quick? No one's like, just look at me real fast. Or put, your, put your hand up real quick. Just say, Mark, I want to let God into my life. I want to invite God into my life. I know when I hear his voice.
Would you just put it up real quick? I'll count one more time. Is that all right? Don't miss this moment. One, just three, two, yeah. Here it comes. Three, just real high. Keep it up till I see it. No one's looking. No one's looking. There's one, there's two. Okay. Real high. I think there might. She just raised, I don't know, that was a scratch. All right. I don't have time to stay here. You're watching online right now. Maybe that's you. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm the third one or the fourth one's online. I just pray right now that God, you would, you would do a deep work today. Saw two hands that went up. So I pray for the third if it's online or fourth is online. I ask you right now that you would do it. How many days you need to rededicate your life though? I've given God some, but not all. I'm out of time. I'm sorry I'm going along today. Would you do a favor? If you want to rededicate your life and go all the way in, you've been kind of halfway in, halfway out, eyes closed, heads bowed. There's many of you, probably 12 of you today in the service. There was eight last service. Ready to go? One, real hands up, real high. You start putting them up. I'll give you three seconds to put it up. I want to rededicate my life today. I, I love God. I want to love them all the way. Two, hands are going up. More hands going up. There we go. And uh, real high. That's me. I'm rededicating. Three. One, two, three. Keep it real high. Four. Real high, real high, real high, real high. Real high. Five, six. Real high. Seven. Real high, real high. Seven hands. Eight hands. Thank you. Eight hands. Eight hands. Awesome. All right. Nine hands. All right. There we go. Put your hands down. It's awesome. You pray this last prayer, Oceans. Do we ever mind going a little long for these people to have a moment like this? Just pray this. I know it's hot, but man, it's worth it. We'll be hanging out with some of these people forever. Literally. <laughs> Crazy. Remember that hot Sunday? Yeah, it's worth it. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I invite you in. Hard hearts becoming soft. Remove the heart of rock and give me a heart of clay. I want to hear your voice. I want to follow Jesus. I want to love my Bible plug into a great church and I ask you for friends that love you more than I do that can teach me your ways we call it a small group at Oceans Church come on everyone said amen give God a good hand clap today thanks for listening to our podcast have a great week